Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. As you know, just this uh, week we had, uh, the, the previous week we had the passing of the Queen, and uh, really a, a sad time uh, after so many years of good and faithful service. Uh, and I want to just um, say a couple of things about the Queen uh, and what I learned with reference to wisdom uh, and what perhaps you and I can learn from what the Queen has said. Uh, you know, there are some people, uh, when uh, a pastor does a funeral, you kind of go, uh, you know, we have to say nice things. Uh, that's what we have to do. But uh, there's some really bad news people that uh, we stand up and we uh, have to say sweet things about. But I'm sure whoever does the Queen's funeral... Uh, will only have beautiful things to say about her. And so I just uh, had a look and, and found some profound uh, sayings that she had. In 2014, she said, For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek, respect, and value all people of whatever faith or none. In 2002, she said, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning, she said. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the days bring, and to put my trust in God. Just one more. She started off saying these things quite early uh, in her life. Uh, but uh, 2013, she said, For Christians, as for all people of faith, reflection, meditation, and prayer help us to renew ourselves in God. In His love, as we strive daily to become better people. The Christmas message shows us that this love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. And so... Uh, we, we want to honor her uh, and respect her for a great life uh, that she lived. Uh, we want to perhaps learn some things about her. And so uh, this morning I want to share with you some foundations of wisdom that we can learn from. Uh, and she was a wonderful example uh, that we can follow, uh, certainly for those parents who who have dedicated their, their children to God this morning, uh, you know, uh, your journey begins uh, to, to trying to, to do your best uh, to uh, allow your kids to put their faith and trust in God, knowing that uh, we are called to be faithful, and it's God's prerogative to do that. But if you don't have that foundation, uh, then, uh, you know, you're starting off on the wrong foot. There is this constant tension between philosophy and theology. Philosophy, the study of 
um, you know, wisdom, if you like. And I don't think that that's the right title. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be love of wisdom. Uh, it should be love of knowledge uh, because we try and come up with arguments and claims that will uh, help us in our knowledge, you know, uh, arguments that will, will uh, have a good foundation. But that is not necessarily wisdom. Uh, the study of God and the trust in God uh, is wisdom. And so the queen was a brilliant example of that. But friends, we also have to put the concept of faith into this, the concept of faith. A boy with a kite uh, by the name of Todd uh, went down to the seacoast to fly a kite. Never having flown a kite before, Todd was obvious uh, that he, there was doubts. His father assured him that all was well and the kite would go up as planned. As Todd unraveled the string and watched the kite go up, he was heard to say, I knew it would fly, Daddy. I knew it would fly. You said it would. And so those are, are, are simple words. It's a simple statement that Todd said to his dad. You said so, Dad, and I knew you would. But it has so many profound implications. And so, uh, you know, w when we begin a journey to go somewhere, when, when kids are a little bit younger and not so young, uh, you know, you will hear the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, we just exited Perth. You know, it's another couple of hours journey. Are we there yet? You know, and, and uh, you know, can you have some more Panadol? No, um, just joking, just joking. Um, so, so are we there yet? And so on our journey of life, you know, we ask certain questions. And these questions um, might be short little statements, but, but they have profound implications depending on what the question is, depending on, on who we put our faith and trust in. And so I want to share just two verses with you today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And friends, you might be sitting here this morning, and, and it feels like you've gone uh, through a car wash this year on a bicycle. You know, uh, we're just uh, saying earlier that it's been a rough year. Some people change of jobs, a uh, couple of deaths in the family, COVID has messed everything up, you know, some have lost uh, jobs. So the, the, the change in life has, has been crazy uh, in 2022. For some, it's been the best year of their lives. But either way, let me try and share with you a couple of pointers on on foundations of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. In, in verse six, we read that in all your ways, and, and folk, we have many, many ways. Some religions say, well, it doesn't matter you know, which way you come to God. Uh, there, there are, we'll all meet on the mountaintop eventually. Uh, and so what do we understand this journey to be? And, and what, what way do we get there? Because for, for some, it's, it's you know, to get to that mountaintop. For, for others, it's, it's to acknowledge God. For some, it's not. For some, it's to rely on God. For some, 
it's not. For some, it's to trust in God with all your heart. For others, it's not. But this morning, the, the, the most simple and basic principle is if you want wisdom, you need to make sure that you put your faith and trust in the right thing, in the right person, if you want proper guidance about life and certainly about wisdom. And so, how do we gain this wisdom? We can't go to the supermarket and say, can I have $10 of wisdom, please? For those who are more spiritual, $100 of wisdom. No. But how do we try and, and find this wisdom? Because it does not come through philosophy. Apparently, the Greeks are excellent philosophers. No wonder we have the global financial crisis, <laughs> you know. And, and the, a few years ago when we were in Cyprus and we were traveling toward uh, the village, we stopped because we thought we might have taken the wrong turn to get to my aunt. And, and we walked into a little uh, coffee shop and all these Greeks, and they were shouting and screaming and, and going crazy with one another. And I was thinking, what's going on here? And I asked the one in the Greek language, I said, Uncle, what's, what's happening? Why are you fighting? He goes, no, we are just philosophizing. Philosophizing. In other words, trying to make the world a better place. And so what have you discovered? Eh. <laughs> Beautiful Greek word, eh. He said, well, let me tell you about politics. Duh, duh, duh. So I said, so how are you going to make it right? Eh. In other words, Let's talk about it, but no one will put anything into action. That's perhaps not the best way and the best pathway or certainly the best foundation for wisdom. But I want to suggest to you this morning that the wisdom of perfect trust in God uh, has a number of points. And one of them is uh, to realize the inadequacy of human understanding that you and I, no matter how good-looking and how clever we are, we fall short of uh, perfect trust in God. Therefore, we fall short of wisdom. You know, uh, because of our experience, in verse 5 we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That word understanding in the Hebrew means on your own knowledge, on your own meaning of getting things done, on your own wisdom, because you will fall short. Now there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is what we get uh, when we study, when we read, when we go to university. That's knowledge. And often it comes with a piece of paper to show that you have that knowledge. But wisdom comes when you put your faith and trust in God and acknowledge yourself that you are not adequate in your own understanding. You fall short. Why do we fall short? Well, basically because we don't fully grasp what the end conclusion might be. And so... When we talk about eternal things, we need to realize that we fall short. But then, the good thing is that although we are inadequate, God is adequate. And so we realize the adequacy of God. That God has revealed himself to us 
primarily in two ways, through nature, but also through his word. He has revealed himself to you and to me through his word. And so it's like uh, the beautiful word for revelation is a Greek word, apocalypsis. That's the title of the last book of the New Testament, apocalypsis, comes from two Greek words. Apo, from, and kalypto, unveil. It's God unveiling himself to us. Uh, Maria would have made a pot of soup, and I say to her, uh, what's the ingredients? What is inside that pot? She says, take the lid off. And the rest is history, as you can see. You know, <laughs> take the lid off, and you will see what's inside. And the more you eat, the more you get nourished. And the more you grow in the things of God, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You cannot gain wisdom through only university degrees. You'll get knowledge, but wisdom comes as God has taken the lid off so you can see inside. And I suggest to you, even that is a miracle. And as you realize that the lid has been taken off, you can begin to realize that He is creator and He is our sustainer and He is the one we can go to and get that sustenance to allow us to grow spiritually. Why? Because He has power over all things. The adequacy of God. He's the one that Jesus gave a parable about in Luke chapter 15 where this young man uh, wishes his father dead and says, can I have my inheritance? And he goes off and, and lavishly spends. But when he comes to his senses, the Bible says, he comes back to his father. When that lid has been taken off and you look who Jesus Christ is, you come to your senses because that word's got a, a, a thought of he was apart from himself, but he came to his senses and he comes back to the Father and he says, Father. In fact, he doesn't even say that the Father runs out to him and grabs him and says that, you know, he kissed him. Kill the fatted calf. Give him new sandals. Give him a new robe. Give him a new ring. My son was not well, but he has come home back to the father. And the father waits with arms wide open. The inadequacy of our human understanding, because we separate ourselves from what is wisdom. But when we begin to see who God is, he is adequate and he welcomes us with open arms. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel that you've messed up so much that you can never come back to God, you need to get your life right before you come back to God. I tell you, come back to God and your life will come right. It's the other way around. See, philosophy says, listen, get everything in order. Make sure your argument is acceptable, it's relevant and based on good grounds, and then you'll get it all together. No, not in your own strength. Wisdom says... Come back to God and things will be put in order themselves. And so the question I need to ask myself is, what is it to trust God? Because the author writes there and he says, trust in the Lord. What is this trust? Well, that, that word batach in the Hebrew in verse 5 means to, to be confident and to sure, to be sure. And to make sure that, that God is my refuge, that I can run to in times of need. 
that he's not just another one and that we'll all get there together. There is that uniqueness that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ and I can trust him because I've come to terms that I cannot trust myself. You see, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. As I said, knowledge comes from reading books and and studying. Wisdom comes when you put that into practice. When you take that step, when you put it into action. What does it mean to trust God? Well, to realize that His timing is perfect and mine is not. Two beautiful words for time, chronos, chronos, English word chronology, time moves on chronologically. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, time moves on chronologically. But Kairos is God's perfect timing. Why did something not happen at that particular time? Because it was not God's appointed time. Kairos, within the scheme of normal time, chronological time, is Kairos time, where God does things perfectly. That's uh, the, the wisdom of perfect trust in God. It, it's not because, you know, something uh, didn't go right. When we put our perfect trust in God, His perfect kairos moments appear. If we look for them, we'll find them. But then also, we need to uh, be rightly acknowledging God. Rightly acknowledging God. And what does that basically mean? Well, well, you know, that, that when uh, in verse 6 it talks about acknowledge God in all your ways, it's knowing Him. That word uh, acknowledge, the word yada, which means uh, to know Him, to observe Him, to discover Him as you read uh, a passage and which you've read so many times as you've opened the Bible. This particular time that you've read it, it's bold and it's italics and it's, and it's just highlighted and it's right there for you. That's God speaking to you and to me as we uh, begin to look what God is saying. It's beginning to put him into the picture. That's when we discover, that's when we begin to discern what God is saying. Philosophy says, make sure you've got a strong argument. Wisdom says it's found in the word of God as we rightly acknowledge who he is. You see, knowing God is the beginning of this wisdom, the Bible says. And he will put it right for you and for me. And many, many times no is also an answer. And I want to say thank God for that no, because had I gone ahead and done it, it would have ended up in disaster. Praise God for no. As we acknowledge him, he makes our path straight. And so what does it mean to trust God with all our hearts? Because in verse 5, we we read that that we're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts uh, and all our understanding. It means that we commit our hearts to Him, not partially, but completely. Now, I'm not a cardiologist, but I know that when your heart does not function properly, this blood pump, 
does not function properly and there's some blockages, then uh, th that's a problem. That's a problem. Spiritualize that, if you will, please, and realize that if there are some issues in the heart, then that's a problem. And so when we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart, God wants all of who we are, and he wants holy submission to him. A lot of religions say, well, if it feels good, then it's got to be right. No, that's not true. That's philosophy. Holy submission says that, that, that when, when we begin to put our faith and trust in ourselves, that's kind of disaster. And, and you, you'll find nowadays you know, that, that, that many people uh, are quite spiritual. I'm spiritual, and, and they, they end that particular phrase with, in my own way. In my own way. And what's that saying? Well, for some, and I've heard this, you know, I go down to the beach and I look at the beautiful sunsets and I see the beautiful ocean and I feel so spiritual. I have a connection, they will say. And I respect you for that. I wish I had that myself. I'd be busy fishing instead. Holy submission to God because you know what, who he is and you know that what he has done for you and you begin to say, I fall short, I want to give him my whole heart. Not because it feels good, because most of the time it doesn't always feel good, but also to trust uh, to have that confidence, trust, that leads to an action because it leads to this purity of faith. When, when, when I, I see the, the, the commandments that are found in the Word of God, then I don't get angry about them because I know He is and I see that that red traffic light is actually good news. It's not the law that says, oh, goodness gracious, I have to stop. It says, actually, when I stop, my life is spared, and so is the life of those around me. But if I just go through it, then my life could be taken, and the life of those around me. That's wisdom. And as I trust with all my heart, not the easiest thing to do when you're in a hurry. But you know what? We deceive ourselves uh, when we think that faith is just about feeling good. You know, about feeling good. It leads to an action. Paul said, uh, by faith. But your faith leads to an action. And some will say, well, James said by works. He was saying exactly the same thing as James, or as Paul. Which James was saying, your action is evidence of your faith. They're not contradicting each other. So faith and action go hand in hand. In fact, in 1 John, 35 times... Uh, in 1 John we read, to know means to love. In other words, to know faith, to love action. You can't just say that you have faith. It's got to lead to action. That's the outcome. And it's not just kind of partially, but with all my heart. And then a huge part of that is prayer. Prayer and trust, total trust. In, in uh John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, when you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. That word remain uh, is the Greek word meno, which means uh, when you abide in me. 
It's got a, a picture of almost, you know, where your home is. Not where your holiday places, but where your home is. That's where your home is, in his presence. You pop in to a holiday place. You pop into another different holiday place, but you always come back home. That's where you remain in him. So we don't just uh, pop into God. No, we remain in God. We pop in elsewhere. And so we need to be constantly remaining in him and, and, and examine our hearts and monitor our hearts the whole time. And then let me just uh, say uh, 30 seconds on each of these points in conclusion. What is the formula for true enjoyment of life? What is the formula for true enjoyment of life? Because it says in verse 6 that, that uh, as we do um, the right things, so uh, we will begin to get our paths made straight. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That, that word submit, uh, or direct your, he will direct our paths. He will, uh, when we put our faith and trust in him, he will make it straight. But one of the important things, again, is to acknowledge him. Again, the word yada, which means to recognize him. Uh, perhaps he's out of the picture of your life. It means to put him in, because that's when you discern, that's when you discover who he is, and that's how you can grow in your life. And friends, what is the purpose of it? What is the purpose of, of our lives? Why are we here on this earth? Interesting question. If you begin to understand what wisdom is all about, you realize it's to glorify God, to glorify God. And that word glory is the Greek word doxa, which has a double meaning. It actually means when the presence of God comes in, the only thing you can do is lift him up or make him famous. And how do we do that? By acknowledging him in our secret ways. And what does that mean? Well, you know, you know we, we, there are some things in our lives that, that we might be hiding. No, to put it out there, as it were, to allow his presence to be uh, in that area, Perhaps there's one or two uh, dark little spots in one's life and in one's heart. You can't get rid of that dark spot first and then allow him in. No. It's like darkness exists. When you put the light in, that darkness flees. Negative Christianity says, I need to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop going to bad places, stop doing all these things. Positive Christianity says, when Jesus comes in, that goes. Might take a little bit of time, but that's got to go. So when we acknowledge him in those secret ways and secret areas in our lives. Secondly, to acknowledge him uh, in our ways of thought. Because when we meditate on the wrong things, we begin to sow bad stuff. And what will be the outcome? Well, we'll reap bad stuff. And so what God calls is holiness, to put him in as we put him in, we discover new things, acknowledging him, recognizing him. Thirdly, to acknowledge God in, in our ways of work, in our wherever we, what our vocations are, what our callings, what our life is all about. Because we can constantly go to him as our father. Fourthly, to acknowledge him uh, in our ways of pleasure, in the things that we enjoy. 
uh, you, you know, to, to the, the places we go and the things that we do to acknowledge him in that, not to be found in the wrong places, but to be found in the right places because he's part of our lives. And then, fifthly, to acknowledge him in all of life's actions, before we do something, while we're doing something, and even after we do something, to make sure that, that he is part of our lives. And friends, the only way that that's possible is to come through relationship. That he's part of who I am, and I'm part of who he is. And as I sit and spend time with him, he looks at me and I look at him, and we're happy together. Why? Because we're in relationship. Martin Luther said it this way, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Well, why would you want to kind of go through a hard time? Philosophy says, no, you know, that's not good. Plato, the great philosopher, would say, that's not good. You're here to enjoy your life. You're not here to suffer. Well, God is not necessarily in the picture in that case. But whatever I might be going through will be good for me even if I suffer because it might be the heat that's being turned on to purify me. It's to put our faith and trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. One night, a house caught fire and a a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling to his son, Jump, I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flames and smoke and blackness. As can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, Jump, I will catch you. But the boy protested, Daddy, I can't see you. Daddy, I can't see you. And the father replied, But I can see you, and that's all that matters. Friends, God is there with arms out wide, and he welcomes us back. He welcomes us uh, uh, whether we've done good or bad, he welcomes us and he longs to be in his presence for you and I to be right there at his feet. Revelation, when the lid is taken off, you begin to see the ingredients. It is good. Take it. Eat it. It will uh, nourish you. It will sustain you. You will grow from it. It's good news. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Such simple verses, Lord, but so profound. Because, Lord, you are the author of them. Thank you for your word. May we be found faithful, Lord, in reading it, in studying it, in discovering who you are through it. Reveal more and more of yourself to us, Lord, we pray. That's our heart's desire, to be able to trust you, Lord, 
every moment of the day. And Lord, your promise is that you will make our paths straight. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, let's stand together and listen.